Welcome to the Everyday Game Changers Podcast. You will hear from everyday people in business, music, community, and more who are changing the game. And now your host, marketing expert and personal branding specialist, Varian McQueen. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of the Everyday Game Changers Podcast. I am your host. Baron McQueen, and you know how we do each and every week, talking to game changers and music, business, community, the arts, and more. And today's guest definitely falls under the arts entrepreneurship category. I got Adrian Hall in the building. How are you? Hey, so nice to see you, Baron. Thanks for having me. Um, we A preface to everyone, we still going to do a film version in the studio because this is just a must but both of our schedules been so crazy but we couldn't put this off no more so adrian talk to me about like i never got any people that's in this filmmaking and you know documentary give me a little background just kind of about how you got started in this space yeah um i'll i'll give you as quick a version as i can but my path has definitely been a little meandering to get okay. to today but um, I went to Florida State University. I okay. had intended to study sports broadcasting, thought I was going to be the one on camera. Really? Goodness, I'm now most often behind the scenes. Um, but I, my first class I ever took in college was a film class and I okay. just, I was hooked. It was a multicultural film class looking at the ways like different cultural messages have been conveyed through film. And I was like, mm. so fascinated. I was so, so turned on by it that I, um, changed my major. I changed my major over to studying film and was just looking for all opportunities I could in Tallahassee, you know, Tallahassee, not being California, not being Miami to, to get involved in film. And, and luckily there's a great college of motion picture arts up there Mm. that has just world-class professors, world-class program. And I actually met one of the professors who was still running an independent film distribution company. He'd formerly been partners of Carl Icons, running a film distribution studio, and um, he was still running a for-profit company. So he actually hired me to become his executive assistant while I was still in school. And through him, I got to travel to a whole bunch of film festivals, just you know, fell even further in love with the process and also learned a lot about the business of the filmmaking um, and uh, the back end and distribution, like how we can actually make money and support ourselves and all the those important, the important stuff, right? Yeah, good <laughs> stuff to know. And um, and and through him, I also became his TA for, for the film school mm. uh, students in his distribution classes. So I was working with, you know, the film students there and through through that pathway I um, met both filmmakers current students who then became my colleagues and and bosses later later on and and um luckily met a filmmaker named Louis Sahoyas through through that uh, opportunity who was working on a film called The Cove which okay. ended up winning the Oscar for best documentary in 2009 and yeah. I got to be a part of that release and that whole campaign um, so that was my first real professional opportunity almost 15 years ago in, in, uh, in, in the hands-on business of, of making movies. So it went from um, distribution into, into the process, but it's all so intertwined and, and I'm excited to chat with you more about that today. So when you get to like this space of like, you know what, I found something that this is, I'm switching the major, I'm going all in on this film. 
do you know at this point what direction in the film space you kind of want to go in? Like, oh, I'm going to be an executive producer or no, I'm going to be a DP or I'm going to be a gaffer. I'm going to, what, what's that spark for you to figure out what role you want to play in that filmmaking space? You know, I think mentors at that like critical point in your career are so important because you can start to see yourself and other people's roles. You can start to see what strengths or weaknesses you might have or what you're inclining toward. Mm -hmm. Um, I my boss was a producer and he gave me so much confidence that I was going to just be the best producer. And I'm so lucky for him instilling in me that confidence. And and so that had a huge part to do with it was just that leadership and and that mentorship. And I can't um, encourage kids enough to work with other professionals and other people Mm -hmm. who are doing stuff that they might even be tangentially interested in. And had I been working for a director or somebody who was actually more involved in the creative, like, development process or part of film maybe my path would have been different but at that time you know 15 years ago there weren't that many women directing movies you know Mm -hmm. the producer and executive producer role was really one of the the best options for women to be at an exec level in the business so that uh that's where I ended up and 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 so thankful for to Paul Cohen for for the opportunities that he he gave me and set me on my path nice so when you fast forward and you get to this space where now you you the boss now right you got your own production studio tell me about how that process was in the beginning right the, yeah the off small and then now we emmy nominated like yeah and and got miles to go so many so much work left to do but we um again, the past been meandering, you know, some days you're like, wow, I just took four or five giant strides forward. And then other times you feel in this business, like, you know, you're, you're just, you're just crawling along. Right. And I would say that, um, one of the big motivators in us starting our company, which is sound off films, uh, was working with Louis Sahoyas, the gentleman who made the cove. And, and I met through him, a woman named Annie Costner, um, Kevin Costner's daughter, who you know, I just became fast friends, like good, wow. good pals, and together formed Sound Off um, to make our own movies. We wanted to do our own thing and tell our own stories and inspire creators who, you know, I don't mean to bring it up again, but back then, like there weren't a whole lot of women behind the camera, the ones calling the shots. Like I remember having conversations early in my filmmaking career, like, oh, we need to get more even women on camera to be the subject matter experts or these things. And I'm so proud of how far we've come. We still have so far to go to get, you know, both racial and gender diversity to where it needs to be in this space. But that was really a huge motivator for us is we wanted to tell our own stories and empower other people who maybe didn't look like our first bosses to to do the same thing. So that was, that was our, our motivation. And how is it now? Like, running a business is way hard. It, it comes with struggles and, and lots of highs and lows, but, but it uh, is so rewarding to be able to, you know, kind of steer your own dream boat as opposed mm-hmm. to necessarily always being, you know, steering other people's ships. Yeah. And we still do a fair share of that too, but it's, um it's, it's just been great. And I would say that one of the things I would 
recommend most is saying yes. Like you, mm-hmm. you got to say yes. Also know when to say no, but early right. in those days, you got to say yes, get those opportunities and those, right. those experiences under your belt to then be able to have the confidence to go out on your own and, and, and do the thing. It takes a little cur- courage, a little stupidity, but, yes. but here we are. <laughs> it's crazy because I, you know, I've been like a published photographer for a really long time. Um, and I always try to encourage these students that come through to our nonprofit, Save the Creatives, like, you know, they see where I'm at now, but they don't see all the free photo shoots and free birthday shoots and weddings and kinsays and bar mitzvahs, all the free stuff that I did to get to a point to now I'm super selective with who I shoot with and who I work with. And you know what I mean? So talk about the process of like, I think the hardest thing, and this is not even just in the filmmaking industry, I, I own several businesses, is the, the the team building aspect is a hard thing to get because you're trying to get people to see your vision, right? Sometimes where no money is involved or they're interning or, you know, you're just trying to convince them to come aboard. What's that process of how has your team building process been? Talk to me a little bit about that. Wow. No, that's a great question. And I think for each, so each film and each, you know, we do long form projects. We do short form projects. We do projects. We learn about the Friday before they shoot on Monday. Oh, wow. So like the the timelines on our, on our films and, and pieces just ranges so drastically. Yeah. So I would say that um, those relationships that you form in, the arts are so critical because mm-hmm. everything needs to be based on like a baseline of trust because mm-hmm. this industry is so volatile, right? Like, as I'm saying, like we get called on a Friday, like, Hey, can you show up on a Monday? We've got to do this thing. Yeah. Like those kinds of things you have to, you ha- you know, you have to uh, have a rapport with people and, and show people what you're about. And, and because those are, it's a small business. It's a big business, but it's a small business. You got to keep coming back to the well with those same people. And, and in those creative situations, when you add sometimes clients or people who have demands of their own, you have to have this, uh, it's a, it's a fast paced and like, again, volatile thing. So to have like people that you can rely on and people that you can build a safe space with, we're really filmmaking and photography, just like what you're doing, you start with nothing, you know, you have to, you like, sometimes I'll like, we'll finish a project and be like, man, look at what we just built together so quickly. And I I think of it as like building a house, right? Where, but then you tear the whole thing down. There's no house left when you're done. All you've got is this, this piece, but you know, you're bringing together the best artisans and best technicians from from each different field. So the camera people, the sound people, the hair and makeup artists, art department, who are all experts at their own thing. And, you know, you've got to trust them. They've got to trust you to come together on different timelines around a creative vision. So it's been, um, it's been great. And, and those are things that accordion out really quickly, but in our core team, we're, we're eight right now. We, we grew to 12 last year at sound off, which was probably a little bit bigger than we needed to be at that time, but we're eight full time right now. And the way we approach building film sets and crewing up things and post-producing things is different than our core day-to-day business mm-hmm. where I, um, the longevity of people in creative industries, when we're talking about, you know, getting called on a Friday to shoot on a Monday, like that can burn some people out. And so you really got to like, 
take care of your people and understand what the industry demands, but again, establish that baseline of trust so that then people know you want the best for them. The business is crazy, but you're trying to do this thing together as a way to to keep people going. And and some of that comes with that saying no that I talked about where sometimes if we're getting that call on a Friday for a Monday to protect your team and and your relationships, you might have to say no because those are the people who you got to do the next job with. So that's a that's a a thing that I've been learning as well. So one of the things that, you know, when I meet with new filmmakers or I meet with new photographers or people in this creative space, um, once business is involved, it's not fun for people anymore. So there's this (laughs) disconnect between allowing myself to be creative and now this is a business. What's the perfect marriage look like of trying (laughs) to do this, right? Oh, man. Damon, the, or Barrett, excuse me, the award-winning question. I don't know exactly. We we struggle with that one ourselves because, and I think that um, because there's this boom of documentary and real people storytelling, which is our core focus in every aspect of, of work, like big tech companies, art, you know, musicians, artists, uh, sport, any type of business needs our services now and some of those things are more exciting or more fulfilling to you know the heart than others and I think that one of the things I'm trying to figure out right now is what is that perfect balance of our team's overhead so we don't get too big to where I can't always say yes to projects that are the ones I really want to do or the ones that I want to be in the field for that are going to keep me going because when when we've gotten you know, to our, to a size where our overhead's too big, you, you almost have to say yes to everything. And I think that thing about saying no and knowing when to say no, so you can say yes, uh, is really uh, a thing that I'm trying to figure out myself. And, and 2023 is my year of, of focusing on my core creative projects. Cause I've been supporting our, our vision as a company, but I've got stuff I want to do too, that I've been backburnering in pursuit of, growth and continuing to build sound off films which we've been successful at but i i have to say i I do want to spend some more time uh focusing on on the creative because without that it you lose a little bit of the the spark i would say you gotta you gotta do some of the fun ones too (laughs) yes i agree so i tell people like i love fashion fashion's been my thing filming it shooting it documenting it I'm just, since a kid, I've always been enamored with fashion. Um, Mm -hmm. And then I own a real estate photography company where this don't allow me to be creative at all. Um, You shoot a kitchen, you shoot a bathroom. Oh, I bet your photos look great. (laughs) You're lying, Aaron. (laughs) But it's like, I'm not, you can't be creative in that space, right? right? So that's, I say that's the stuff that pays the bills. And then because I have that, it allows me to be selective with the creative projects that I do. How does somebody pitch a project to you? Like, you know what? Somebody told me this story on the train and I think it would make a great <laughs> documentary. How does somebody approach you for a pitch? Yeah, we, um, you know, we don't accept so many unsolicited ideas, but okay. for the right, the right thing, um, people often just write to our info account and say, Hey, okay. I've got this thing. And if it appeals to us, we get back in touch because I think the, um, and we're looking right now for more stories and more documentary stuff to work on in South Florida specifically because we're um we're fairly new here you know I I grew up in Florida 
but we relocated during the pandemic because yeah. we were being called for so much stuff um uh, in Miami believe it or not so right. so we we'll like we fell in love with the place and my partner's Puerto Rican and he works a lot in the Latin market so it just made so much sense our families are here so um we are looking for for more stories to tell closer to home because so much of our work is all over the place so that's part of that balance too is trying to find there's so many stories to tell that trying to find ones that also cater to a good life for you you know we've worked on films in South America and we've shot on every continent but it's not as sustainable and it also has a cost thresholds that you can't always overcome so that's something where when I'm searching Netflix right Mm -hmm. I'm 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 a I'm a advocate for a great documentary. So I literally was just watching um uh what's the Wolf of Wall Street guy? The Madoff. Jonah Hill? No, the Madoff uh documentary. It's oh, like yeah, yeah, called yeah, The yeah. Monster of Wall Street or something. Yeah. Great documentary. I but haven't I'm, seen I'm, that one yet. I'm what did so, you like about it? I'm so into I'm so into these people that like I'm always just a money guy and an entrepreneurship guy. And I'm always curious of how people build these big things and get to these certain points that I'm like, why didn't nobody ever check this before it got to where it was, right? So I look at a lot of the um, the Wall Street stuff or the Dirty Money documentaries or um, I liked, I didn't like um, Marilyn Monroe's Thing that they just I haven't actually seen that one yet either, but it's getting. I big. was not a fan. It it just really portrayed her like she was a prostitute to the Kennedys. Like it just I, for me, I felt like it was poorly executed from a filmmaker standpoint. Um, but I really like these um stuff that's based off true stories, like these like people that I mean, man, I didn't I heard this story briefly, but I didn't know the details of what happened with Enron or all of these mm-hmm. like. Conspiracy, what people would consider espionage or conspiracy things. I'm so into them. And then the fashion ones, right? I watched a great documentary on Von Dutch. Ah, um, How that brand started, as well as. I actually uh, saw that too on Hulu. The Von Dutch one, right? It was pretty good. And then the one um, with. Was it American Eagle or Abercrombie? Abercrombie. Oh, yeah. White Hot. Yes. I so love these, that filmmaker. Allison Clayman is incredible. She's so great. those, I'm into those. Like, I'm on Netflix searching for those. And then I seen Shonda Rhimes' uh, Inventing Anna, which was more series-based. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, it's some truth to it, but it's more like a lot of exaggerated stuff for the film. What's your mm-hmm. take on, like, the documentary style versus the, like, let's make this a movie or a series type thing? Wow. Um, I think you know. You mean like a narrative where you yeah, have like what's your more what, scripted what's your, approach to it? Yeah. Which one do you? Well, yeah. I would say which one you like shooting more because I'm pretty sure you've probably kind of done both, right? We've. I my focus is mostly on documentaries. We've definitely done some scripted stuff, but it's sound off core is like mission driven or yes. or uh, you know impact oriented documentary storytelling that's our that's our bag but that yes. also we've done Katy Perry's documentary or right, <laughs> we've done right. ESPN 30 for 30 so it it uh it definitely varies a little bit beyond that but I think that the narrative 
as an example right now, we're working on a documentary film about four female big wave surfers, these ladies who go out and surf, you know, the 50 foot, 100 foot waves. Um, and they were trying to compete at a wave in Northern California called Mavericks. And they'd never wow. been invited to compete. It was being completely withheld from them. So the the men would have the best access to, to the waves during competition. Mm. Um, and then these ladies used California state law to uh, basically get the guys to invite them. They're like, hey, because the competition's being held on public lands, you need to invite us to to come out. You have to have equal access to this wave. And and not only that, they're like, oh, yeah, in California, you also have to pay us the same amount of money, too. So mm -hmm. they got equal pay and invited to go to surf the wave. And it's interesting that you talk about the narrative versus the documentary. Charlize Theron has actually acquired the narrative rights to this story and is developing mm -hmm. the movie with um, Nikki Caro, who did the live action Mulan and oh, wow. Neil Ryder. Um, and she's, I believe, going to act in it. But we also have this documentary companion piece. And I don't know if you remember like OJ Made in America, that doc series or... Yeah. Um, and then there was also the narrative version. I think Correct. so often there's stuff that the real stories are able to achieve and, and things that the narrative versions of these stories are able to achieve. So yeah. often I'm a fan of having both. Yeah. But I think if... Um, I've if, seen something similar like that with like Epstein's thing, right? Like they had a... Exactly, exactly. It's really common to to do both. And and I think it's a, a good model for commercial success as well when you're talking about packaging like acquiring the rights to something so if you're going to option something you should try to figure out not only the one core piece that you right. can make be it your documentary or narrative but what are all these like ancillary pieces of content or or other lines of business that you can do and i think that's like what the smartest media moguls in in, right. in our field are doing all the time is is looking for those paths where it's like not limited to one thing it can become a whole franchise it can become a whole world of its own um and that's really exciting to me yeah when i seen um the inventing Anna on Netflix. Well, then I went and watched the documentary, right? The real thing about this Anna Sorokin and running this German heiress thing. <laughs> I was so intrigued by her story that I'm like, oh my gosh, she was really able to infiltrate the top people in <laughs> New York. Truly, um, truly. So it was really good. So for me, it's just like, um, what? Because you almost like when you're shooting documentary stuff, there's a big level of journalism involved in kind of what you guys do, right? On like fact checking and getting sources and then setting up interviews. And how is that process like? Yeah. Um, how is it? Again, it's, it's different for each thing, but I, I think that often we write, we start with a an email or a cold call or yeah. a referral if you have one. So mm -hmm. it, it really varies. You give them a little bit about your background, what your interest is, and, and often like what that higher level thing is that could hook people. So like what the greater question, what you're trying to do is to get them excited or involved. And so often what we're looking to do is tell a bigger story or one that can shift the needle in terms of what people think or what their perception is. And often our subjects are really, uh, 
amicable to that. Sometimes they might not be. And so we might tone down our email a little bit to get them to, to join on. But it's uh, it just starts with uh, our, you know, the core core research. So finding the story, figuring out what our angles are. And often um, we know what we want to get going into our interviews. And, and when we finally are able to sit down with, with these people through the research process, us, but in documentary what's so beautiful is so much can change like you go in with your expectations but then often they're just far exceeded and that's when the magic really happens you're like whoa what and then you go you can go down a whole new whole new path <laughs> what's a what's a subject matter or a topic that maybe you personally want to talk about that maybe you haven't done for your company hmm. is there a story um, out there that is just like ah uh, you know what I mean? This is a personal thing for me that I want to speak on, whether it's a subject matter or a person. Yeah. Um, I am, I, you know, I was a lifelong athlete. I wanted to be a sports broadcaster. So mm -hmm. I think the stuff about women in sports is so, it's mm -hmm. a huge passion point for me. Um, I'm also, we're developing something about crime related to plants, which I can't say a whole lot about, but it okay. takes place in South Florida um, that I'm pretty excited about. Um, and we have some other series that are uh, pretty tightly under wraps and NDA with some networks that yeah. I'm just super thrilled about that I can't wait to to come back and share with you more, Baron, yeah. about what 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 we're, we're up to. Um, and then one other passion project I have, living here in South Florida, the the whole situation with Cuba, you know, looking mm. at both sides of that, and and yeah. so often the conversation doesn't have any nuance to it. You know, I've right. spent a lot of time in Cuba myself, and and trying to figure out a delicate way to to thread the needle around like that cultural element with uh with what's happened on both on the island and then and then here in South Florida. So wish me luck with that. I don't know. You might I, I might get by my toenails, but we'll see. <laughs> Because I have this podcast, it has allowed people when they meet me, they just give me everything. And it's not that they're pitching me. It's just not. I'm just interested in people's stories. I have some people of some Cuban stories of, about what that process was like making it to Florida that I was just like at a whole nother level of like empathy and like, wow, appreciation of like how easy <laughs> some of us have been and how oh some gosh. people really fought and lost family on the water. And I mean, it's deep on um, yeah. some of these stories that people come to our studio and tell. And I would have never known if I just didn't ask the question and they gave me everything. <laughs> you're a documentarian too. You know, you're out here documenting people's stories and telling stories and, and so your process, I, yeah, it, isn't it beautiful what we're able to do when you talk to people and you just get to sit down and ask questions. It's uh what a joy. It's so much I fun. I tell people, like, when they they ask me, like, hey, what's your podcast about? I'm like, well, it's called Everyday Game Changers, but it's about everyday people that's doing some great things. And maybe you heard about them and maybe you didn't. But I want to shed light on the story or bring this story up and say, hey, look, it's you everyday game changer. You don't have to be a celebrity. You could be somebody advocating in the community. Um, I just had a musician, Lunch Money Lewis, who's one of the top songwriters in, in, in the States um, and, and globally. And, you know, he talks about the community fridge that he has downtown Miami, where they just had a graffiti artist come and paint a refrigerator and they stock this for the homeless and people can just stop by and grab something to eat. And I'm like, that's really dope. Like, 
It's called the lunchbox, right? I so can't wait called, to check that out. The lunchbox. See, those are the, the stories that, that there needs to be. Those are heroes, you know, doing yeah, that work. So that it's so like, cool. you know, here's a guy who sold millions of records and written for Jesse J and Fifth Harmony and Megan Trainer and Nicki Minaj. And he's just got a community fridge downtown Miami, just give back. And, you know, he does this thing called lunch. His name's Lunch Money Lewis. So he has this thing called lunch with lunch. So one day out of the week, he picks a random day and he's like, yo, if you're having a bad day, just go order yourself some Starbucks and I'll pay the bill. And he just has this card that you give them his card at Starbucks. Wow. And he's just something small as that, though. But, it's you know, I'm big into the community activism and the give back. And uh, um, I see my countdown starting here. So, Adrian, give me oh. one Jim, one piece of advice for a, that filmmaker that's, you know what, they just got their first camera off offer up because they couldn't buy a brand new and or they just mm -hmm. got their iPhone and they just really want to document some stuff. Give them some advice on the just getting started. What piece of advice could you leave for that person just starting? Mm -hmm. Oh, man. I, I Well, can we first talk about what is possible right now with the camera <laughs> equipment that's coming out? Yes. Is this? you can go shoot movies with your iPhones. Now you can be creating stuff with anything. So like the democratization of that technology, like get your hands dirty with it and go out and shoot stories and make mistakes and, and, and fall in love with your subjects and, and get tripped up on how you're going to tell the stories the, the act of doing the, the process is beautiful and work with people as much as you can, who are better than you at it, who have more experience at it, who are challenging you in the way that you're thinking. Not when I um, feel uncomfortable in the people that I'm working with, because I'm like, damn, they are they are so good. Like that's when I know I'm doing something right. When I feel, you know, I feel on my toes and nervous. Like keep putting yourself in those situations that are scary, and 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 challenge yourself every chance you can. And I would say that making mistakes in the creative process is a huge part of it. And don't be afraid of that. I know it's so hard yeah. for, you know, when I was a young person to, to put yourself out there to make mistakes, but it, you have to, to get better. And you've got to make a lot of pretty shitty stuff before you're going to make anything good. So I would say that that's a, that's, that's how it goes. So don't be afraid of that part of it either. Yeah. But I think get, that's the thing that I, I tell people they so worried about it being perfect the first time out that I'm like, yo, you know, people will really appreciate your journey when they look at your first versus your 15th and they can see the growth. People appreciate that journey. <laughs> right. Right. And there's so many stories to tell, like, don't look far. Don't try to challenge yourself with some things that I did where I was like, oh yeah, let me tell this really complicated layered story on a different side of the globe. Like there are things happening in your own backyard and things that you're passionate about. That's what you're going to be most equipped and capable to tell stories about. So don't be afraid of that either. I feel like it's not enough. Some of the, some of the best things that I've seen lately are coming out of people who live across the street from the subject they're telling the story about. And, and that's really exciting too. just stay open and, and and excited about the process i appreciate that adrian i'm so grateful thank you for oh, coming I'm grateful, on Darren. thank we you definitely gonna have to do this again in the studio um because i feel like it's so much more <laughs> we could get out of this so um but again i thank you man you guys have been tuned in to another episode of the everyday game changers podcast i'm your host baron mcqueen and we out thanks baron 
Thanks for listening to the Everyday Game Changers podcast with Barry and McQueen. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. If you enjoyed the show, leave us a review. Follow us on Instagram at Everyday Game Changers or on our official website, www.everydaygamechangers.com.